Cerrone beat up Yaquinta. Next week we are in Brasilia with the fight selections and the fight reflections. This is fighting with myself. Oh oh oh, fighting with myself. Oh oh oh, yeah. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Fighting with Myself, the podcast for the average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man, and I am that man. I'm Juice. And let's get right into it, because we got a lot to cover. Those fights last night, talking about UFC Ottawa, were incredible. And when I say they were incredible, I mostly mean the main event, let's be honest. Um, There were some a little bit lackluster fights, but honestly, when there's a great main event, it just just washes away the, the rest of the night, you know, good or bad. Uh... I just, you know, that, that's the feeling you're left with. That fight had me on the edge of my seat the whole time. I was nervous for Al. Time's nervous for Cerrone. And those guys fucking delivered. Al is tough as shit. Um, I saw Ryan Loco, one of the best followers on Twitter, by the way, um, tweet out and said, wait, why don't, why don't they make the plane out of Ally Quinta? Obviously the old black box joke, but that's just hilarious. Um, Ally Quinta is tough. To be honest, Cerrone beat him up worse than Khabib did, which is not like, you know, whatever, but everyone's talking about how Khabib's so dominant. Cerrone really put it on him. Great stuff from, from both guys. So let's let's run down the main card. We had Andrew Sanchez beating Mark andre Barriolt, I think. That's how you pronounce that? This is a French guy. And dude, this fight was awesome. And honestly, Andrew Sanchez is uh, mostly leans on his wrestling, but there were times when he was willing to strike with Mark. And we'll get into this in a second, but this was the only one I got right <laughs> with my predictions from last week. Falling off a little bit. Hoping I'll get back on track next week. But no worries. Um, and regardless of whatever you thought with the decision, um, you know, he he won. So it is what it is. And I think, honestly, I, I tweeted this out. I think if it was pride rules, pride judging criteria anyway, um, Mark Andre would have taken it just because he did more damage. But Andrew for sure won more rounds. Like with the with the system in place, I don't think it was a robbery. Like I'm not saying like, oh, he shouldn't have got the decision. It was a hard fought fight for both guys, and um, I think Andrew, I think Andrew won the first and the third. Pretty good. Now, now the second was was a hell of a round for Mark Andre. I don't know if it if it's the new judging criteria. Does he get a 10-8? Maybe it's a draw. Maybe, but in terms of like rounds, because I'm I'm not I'm not usually one to like pick a ten eight or see who got the most points. Really, just like who won each round, and Andrew won two out of three rounds. So I think you got to give it to him. Hell of a fight. Um, I loved his uh, post fight interview. Sid Jersey. He was like, yeah, whatever. Uh, I love Canada too, but uh, you guys don't need to boo me. Uh, I live here now. I live in Montreal, my favorite place. But whatever, you can keep booing. Love that guy. Next up, we had Sergey Spivak versus Walt Harris, and Walt Harris demolished him. 
and I could have sworn I picked Mart Harris, uh, Walt, Walt Harris, but I went back and listened to the podcast, and I was like, yeah, Sergey could could submit him. He came out, and I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? Because even when they're walking out, uh, and they're not when they're walking out, but when they're both in the cage, like getting ready, and they said the tail of the tape, I was like, oh man, Walt's gonna smash this guy, and I thought that was what I had predicted. <laughs> Turns out I was wrong. But but man, he looked really good. Uh, I th- <laughs> I think I tweeted this out. I wanted to tell the story real quick. Um, so I saw two seventeen at Madison Square Garden. Hell of a fight card, probably one of the best in uh, UFC history, if I'm honest. Especially those those last three title fights, the way they all entered and finishes, uh, a lot of them upsets. Um, the belt changed hands in all all three fights. It was just fucking incredible night of fights. The arena was on fire, and Walt uh, Walt Harris fought uh, Mark Godbeer, I believe, in that fight. And there was one point where I think it was Mark got a takedown. One of them got they ended up on the ground, and they were both tired. I won't say that they were stalling or it was like lay and pray, but I think like, I don't know, maybe they didn't think they were going to get the takedown. They just sort of ended up there and it was just like, they just were on the ground for like a minute. And I had, I didn't really fit in the, um, in the seats we were in. They were really uncomfortable. So they got relocated to like the upstairs. Um, I was literally at the top of the fucking arena, um, like in the, um, handicap seating. And there was this woman there who was with her, I think, husband. And he was in um, like a power chair, so he must have been disabled. But she, I guess, was like taking care of him. And there was one, one point, literally, like she was in just like a sweat. It was November in New York, so it was cold. But she was, but obviously not in the arena. It's hot because they turned the heat on. She was in a sweater, and she just takes her sweater off and is like going like, woo! And like she only had a bra underneath. It was fun. like security had to like say, "Man, put your fucking sweater on!" Like Jesus Christ. She was like, I want to say like in her fifties, maybe. Weird as hell. And as soon as that takedown happened, I t- back to the <laughs> fucking Mark Godbeer Walt Harris fight. As soon as that takedown happened, she was like, "Are they just making love? They fucking get up and fight!" Yeah, and I was just like, "Oh my god," because. I, I'm not the biggest like fan of wrestling in MMA when they just hold him down. But at the same time, it's a part of it. And if you're on bottom, you got to work to get up. So you can't really blame the guy on top. So I've never wanted to be like, boo. Like, I would never do that, dude. Come on. And this woman was like, they fucking. I just thought I was so funny. Like, I can look back and laugh now. But at the time, I was like, this is a legitimate crazy person. And she needs to leave. Uh, but back to reality. <laughs> Wald Harris uh, it was like a 50 second KO or something of, of Sergey Spivak. Yeah. Really, really dominant performance. Um, Michael Bisping said on the broadcast, like, Oh, it's your, it's your UFC debut, but you draw Walt Harris. Uh, if you're Sergey Spivak. So, so that's not the best matchup for him. Kind of scary guy, but, uh, Walt Harris looked really good. Like I said, I thought I predicted it. I was wrong. And, we all know that I have no problem being wrong, so that's fine. Um, I really hope Walt Harris gets a good fight next. We'll talk about that in the questions a little bit. He had a weird call out. I thought it was weird that he was like, I want to fight in Abu Dhabi. Give me someone in Abu Dhabi. Um, I guess he was supposed to fight Alexei Olenek for this card. Got pulled. Um, obviously, Alexei fought um, Overeem. It was like a short notice replacement. So, yeah. I guess he wants that fight. 
Probably because Alexi lost and he's just like, well, I might as well get that fight back. I think it's weird he's calling for Abu Dhabi. Maybe he just wants to see the world. I mean, if you're if you're in the UFC, you got to take advantage of, of free travel, going going to see exotic places and whatnot. All about it. Next up, we had Brad Katona fighting Marab Duvalishvili or Duvalishvili. Not sure if the V is a W. Sounded like they were trying to pronounce it that way. I really thought Brad Katona. I think I said on the last podcast, he's he's a bit of a savant. He he's good everywhere. He, he's crisp on his boxing. He works his wrestling and jujitsu. Um, Robin Black had talked about once about how you know he's, they're both from Winnipeg, and he was saying how like everyone in like the Canadian scene was talking about Brad as like being this like phenom. It was going to go places. Like he had a great amateur career, which you don't really see in MMA. And and don't get me wrong, I knew Marab was good. And obviously that his camp, Ray Longo and, and Matt Serra, are, are phenomenal. And he had um, Aljamain Sterling in his corner. That was awesome. I loved Aljo wearing the hat, <laughs> the fucking, the black, the black version of Khabib's hat. I forget what it's called. Like a pushka or something. Uh, great fight. Great fight. Um, Marab dominated pretty much most of, the, most of the fight. I mean, Brad had some good moments, but Marab was really, it was really about the wrestling. He took him down, beat him up, passed his guard. Um, there was even one, one point where Brad looked like he like he just looked defeated on bottom, and I was like, man. And and he also like he wears glasses, and sometimes when if you wear glasses and you don't have them, you can have this like vacant look in your eyes for no reason. I because I have glasses, I get that. So I like maybe he he's he wasn't, but to me it looked like he he kind of given up, and I, f- I felt so bad for him. But good for Marab. He had. A not so good first start to his UFC career because he had the debut against Frankie Signs. It was a close fight, split decision loss, I believe. And his teammates were on Twitter just going crazy, like Marab got robbed. How do you? I mean, for me, I, at the end of that fight, I remember going, I don't know who won. It was really close. Like if you give it to one guy, I won't be, you know, calling robbery either way. I think it was a close fight. But they all were like, No, Marab won. Are you kidding me? Obviously, it's your teammate. You're going to want to support him. But it still sucks to be on the wrong end of a split decision loss. And then he he tries to bounce back against Ricky Simone in Atlantic City. I said this last time I was live for that fight. Hell of a fight. Marab beat the brakes off Ricky Simone uh, for three rounds. And then at the end, goes for a takedown. Uh, Ricky reverses and gets a mounted guillotine. But then when they... uh, And then... Marab is like kicking and, and, and fighting it off and then the bell rings but then the ref calls the fight and it was such a weird controversy and what they were saying is like and he, they showed the replay when um when Marab went for that takedown uh he looked like he knocked himself out because he hit the canvas and his body went limp for a second but then he recovered and the, the ref didn't stop it at that time so it's like okay and then Mark Goddard was cage side. He, you know, refs are allowed to do something called polling, where they can ask another ref. And, and Mark Goddard said he saw when when the guy went out. He said, "If I, you know, I was in there, I would have called it then." You know, he was out, um, but he was fighting and you know, fighting the choke. And the bell rang, but the referee still called the fight. They called it a TKO by submission. It was some weird New Jersey rule and. Man, he was going crazy in interviews saying, I did not go out. It was a stinger. By the way, I love Marab's accent. I, I really hope he um, 
doesn't work on his English anymore. I know that sounds bad, but I want him just to keep that same, you know, keep that same energy as as uh, has been one of the most overused phrases in MMA. But I really hope he, he, he keeps his same accent because he's like, I love to fight. Uh, I get in good position and I get him uh, uh, here. I, w- I want top fight next. It's it's awesome. I love how um, when Al was walking out, he was in the back doing uh, media and stuff, uh, and he was just like cheering for him. Good guy. Love that team. I love the the brotherhood that they have there. It's really awesome. Uh, so I guess that's my thoughts on that fight. And then Cub Swanson beating Shane Burgos, or sorry, that's what I picked, and I was so wrong. Uh, Shane Burgos won. And again, this is like like I said the last week. I, I knew. Well, a lot of my picks were like it could go either way, and it was really close. And I was in no way saying like Cub's going to dominate Shane or whatever. I just thought he he had the tools to pull it off. Shane is a hell of a fighter. We knew that, um, and it didn't occur to me until I was watching the fight. It kind of looked maybe maybe he just has that style where he kind of like goes to the level of whoever he's fighting. But it looks like Shane because I know I know Shane watched MMA when he was a kid. He's talked about this in interviews. Like he's been a fan for a long time, and so he watched the early UFCs. And I. I bet he pay patterned his style after Cub Swanson. Like you can just kind of see like they have the same sort of boxing style and like similar head movement. They're they're both in their combinations with low kicks. Um so Cub I feel like Cub didn't get really dominated but it was a clear loss. Like Shane clearly won every round if not two, if not two rounds uh like clearly and there it should not have been a split decision. One of the judges gave gave it thirty twenty seven to Cub, and as a Cub fan, as someone I picked him, I got to be honest. Like that was a bullshit scorecard. There's no way he won that fight. I mean, I could see maybe one judge giving it twenty nine twenty eight for Cub, just because maybe they saw one round this summer, but not like every round. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I tweeted out this that that judge must be working for the mob, dude. Although what mob, I don't know. They're in Canada, and Cobb is from Orange County, so who knows? But great, great fight for Shane. Um, hope he climbs the ranks. He really only lost to um, Calvin Cater, who's a fucking great fighter in his own right. So let's see him get a top fight next. Ooh, maybe Yair. Yair's been out for a while. Fuck, that would be great. Shane Burgos versus Yair Rodriguez. Sign me up, dude. All right. Elias Theodoro uh, and Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson got the decision. And it was interesting. What I thought would happen, happened. I thought Elias would uh, sort of use his footwork and sort of dancing style to confuse Brunson and it kind of worked for a little bit but Derek Brunson was super patient there were moments where he literally just stood in place and be like you done all right let's fight now and it was great and I think Brunson won but the like commentators Michael Bisping were saying like they said Elias is what he's doing is working he's confusing Brunson and then they thought he was possibly ahead on the scorecards and I was like I don't know guys then Derek Brunson got that slam Man, that was like an old Matt Hughes-style slam. He picked him up, walked him a little bit, and just friggin' dove on him. That was awesome. Best move of the fight for sure. Uh, most action, anyway. And like I said, I love Elias. I wanted him to win. I thought he was going to win, but 
Sometimes you come up short, babies, and that's that's okay. But yeah, Derek Derek Brunson, he's a he's a cool guy, but I I feel like his interviews are boring. That's why I like Elias. He's more exciting to me. I gotta I gotta I gotta be honest when I say personality affects my um, opinion of you as a fighter. You know. So good for Derek. Hope hope he continues to go. And actually, maybe he should get the winner of Jared Cannonier and Anderson Silva, which we'll get into because obviously he already fought Anderson Silva, but well, you know, you know how that goes. And without further delay, let's talk about this main event, guys. Holy shit. That was everything I thought it was going to be. Obviously not the result I thought it was going to be, but in terms of like what they both brought and, and just the level of fight, the fucking war we got, that's exactly what I wanted. That's what we deserve. What a main event. And Canada always delivers. Like they're just, I feel like Canadian fight fans are so loyal and intelligent and they like cheer at the right moments. They booed uh, Andrew Sanchez, which was weird as fuck. But Alaya Quinta, tough as nails. And I, I hate I hate just saying that when that's the story of a fight, like how tough this guy is. But dude, how good is Cerrone? That's the real uh, takeaway from this. Not that we didn't already know that, but I want to focus more on that and less so on, on just the toughness of Val because Cerrone was hitting him with some shots that would have put lesser 55ers away if we're honest and Al had some good moments where he would fake a takedown and, and hit him with a body shot and come over the top with a left hook and it was really doing well and and I gotta be honest when I say I thought Cerrone looked like shit at the weigh-ins he was looking depleted and I was like oh no but the early weigh-ins I guess they really gave him more time to recover and Cerrone did not look like that affected him he looked Bigger than he ever did at one at one fifty five, he looked as big as he ever did at one seventy. As far as like in the cage, and crisp, never faded, and Al's cardio was always like his weapon. He would just like wear guys out and, and beat him in the later rounds. But Cerrone, that wasn't a factor, dude. I mean, he put it on him. They they both were were getting some nice leg kicks, and. The, the moment towards the end of the fight when Cerrone dropped him, I really thought it was from a leg kick. I thought his leg buckled, but then they showed the replay, and it was it was a jab. He put him on his ass with a with a perfectly timed jab. He, I was kind of rushing in. Cerrone popped the jab. It was just the right timing, and he was on the ground. Dude, the ground and pound from Cerrone was not bad at all, and it wasn't like like normally when you see ground and pound, it's from a takedown. But it was he dropped them every time, um, and I don't think Al succeeded in any of his takedowns either. And if and if he did, Cowboy pop right back up. Cowboy really putting it together. Seems like that. Um, I love how he referenced the day drinking dawn in the post fight interview. But what I was gonna say is, it, it seems like his his newfound um, motivation since fatherhood is really a factor in his fights. And he's not just taking on, you know, short notice replacements. I'll fight anyone. I don't give a fuck. I think he really wants a run at the title. Um, it's like about time, right? 
Um, we're going to get into some later. Some of you guys uh, asked me some some awesome questions on Twitter, um, but I think I have a solution for his next fight. Not that it's my say, obviously. We all know I don't like to talk, you know, play matchmaker, but sometimes you got to. It's just fun, you know. Chelsea always says rumors and speculation is more fun than talking about actual fight news because when it's booked, that's that's all you can talk about. But when it's speculation, the door is wide open. And it's true. So that wraps up UFC Ottawa. Uh, this week's follow train was awesome. Shout out to my man, No Turn on Stone on Twitter. Uh, I really think um, Twitter limiting the follow limit sucks, but um, looks like we're kind of combating it. Going to pop back on that follow train and, and get some more followers, hopefully. But um, as far as the outcome of it, the whole idea is just to interact with five fans, and I think that really succeeded. Uh, awesome interaction on twitter this week um even when i was like saying some dumb shit like uh <laughs> if cub wins you guys have to lick my sack <laughs> i thought people were gonna ridicule me but but you guys were cool so uh let, let's wrap this up and uh, get into some current events shall we all right current events not a lot to talk about in terms of big news that got announced since since we last talked last week um, which is fine because we actually have a lot to break down for next week's card and you guys had some awesome questions I want to talk about. So um, without further ado, the first bit of news that jumped out at me was one championship announcing their new agent certification program, which was a little bananas. So I'm not going to go over the whole press release and the although the full criteria of of the breakdown of, of what they want in this in this certification thing because this is ridiculous but just to summarize um chatri Sichitong, the ceo of one championship put out this tweet that said um oh in the fight game we've we've had bad experiences with managers lying to their fighters and dicking them around, not paying them, etc. So in the interest of fighter well-being, uh, we want all of the agents that we do business with to be certified by us to ensure good business practice. And on the surface, that sounds great. It sounds like your your heart is in the right place. But what you're saying is you want complete control and that any manager is not good enough for for not meeting these certain requirements and here's what it is and honestly like this eliminates most of the top managers in the game good or bad right um i know you had to have been doing business with them for 10 years or or been doing business in asia for 10 years i think they said i think it also said you have to live in asia uh, it, it's just ridiculous because you're trying to break into the North American market by signing Demetrius Johnson, Eddie Alvarez, Sage Northcutt, Vitor Belfort. It's just not adding up. And it seems like they're doing this under the guise of you know, honor and respect 
just like their whole stance about PEDs, about, oh, that doesn't, you know, we don't need to test because it doesn't stand in, in, in Eastern culture anyway. And it, it really is, is horseshit, if I'm honest. And I don't need to get on a big soapbox about it, but it's just weird. It's just really like, like one seems to be doing the right thing for the most part with like with their whole stance on weight cutting, you know, adding 10 pounds to the weight class and doing hydration tests. Really cool. I don't think they've solved weight cutting. I don't think it's like, oh, this is the answer, guys. Everyone should be doing this. But it's a fucking step in the right direction and no one else is even trying anything. Um, save for maybe the California Athletic Commission adding those extra weight classes, but no promotion of really implementing them. So we're back at square one. But that just didn't... Um, I saw that and I was like, what good can really come of this? I mean, if, if they just want to dominate the Asian market and, and just have their own fighters, great. That, that That's going to succeed in doing that, but but not with the crossover talent that they really want to do. And it, and it just doesn't, I don't know, doesn't give me good faith in them as an organization. Speaking of which, Jimmy Smith, um, one of the best commentators in the game, in my opinion, he... Uh, was with Bellator for a long time and then um, the UFC picked him up and he was doing great in the UFC but he was cut after a year like he had a one year contract and they didn't renew it um, so not really cut but obviously he doesn't you know work for them anymore they severed the ties because with his job doing the color commentary um, they wanted you know current or recently retired UFC fighters and not many people know this Jimmy Smith was uh, a fighter back in the day he fought MMA he was a wrestler for many years and then he transitioned to MMA uh, I think he had like nine fights or something did pretty well for himself he was you know did well in King of the Cage and stuff you can actually watch some of his old fights on, on Fight Pass but uh, and, and he's a jiu-jitsu black belt as well so he really knows about the ground game and, and talks a lot about that in, in his commentary and does a great job of sort of breaking it down in terms that people who don't train can understand. Um, but he, he made the statement like he's been trying to find a new um, organization to work for. Uh, he got picked up by Sirius XM, worked on the Luke Thomas show. I haven't heard it because I don't have Sirius anymore, but um, the sound bites that they put on YouTube, he's, he's killing it. And he put out this YouTube video on his own channel um, saying why he didn't sign with one. I guess there have been rumors that he was in talks with them and... He, he got tired of like answering, answering people individually and like not talking about it. So he made this video, which I thought was pretty cool, um, saying that he wanted to sign with one. He said they're doing great things and then he's not um, bashing them in any way, but that they want him to move to Singapore. And I'll tell you his reasoning why not moving to Singapore in a second. But even if you take that out, like that just goes back to their whole like, you know, oh, you have to do things our way kind of thing. And maybe it's a cost kind of cutting thing, but if if you want the best, you gotta pay the best. You gotta fly them in. And, you know, honestly, how many events do you have and, and how many commentaries do you have where you would want to use him? Maybe he's in the rotation. So fly him out uh, you know, ten times a year or however many fight cards you have him on. Just do it, dude. I mean that's I thought that was ridiculous. But his reasoning, which I fully support for not uh, doing that for not for not accepting the contract and it wasn't about the money 
it was about the fact that he they wanted to move to Singapore, and he said he said in doing research of like you know picking up his whole life, um, he has two pit bulls, and they're both rescues, which is great. He said, "I'll never pay for a dog." Totally agree. Um, if you have a pet, you should you should try and get if you want to get a pet, you should try and get them from a shelter and you know, rescue in, in some way because those pets need homes. And Jimmy Smith said. In in Singapore and in many parts of of East Asia, pit bulls are outlawed. And he said he was talking to someone who um, who lives over there. They said, "Oh yeah, at customs, if anything even looks like a pit bull, they'll 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 kick you out of the country, like no questions asked. They won't ask to like see blood blood tests or whatever of, of like what breed it is. They'll just be like, oh, that looks like a pit bull. It's out.' And so he's like, "Nope, can't do it. Um, my dogs are my family and." I can't fucking leave them. And props to Jimmy, man. I fully support that. Um, don't abandon your pets. Like, regardless of how you think people with pets are, if you think they're annoying or whatever. Um, first of all, fuck you, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but, dude, uh, Jimmy Smith um, is a great guy, and I, I respect the hell out of him for that. So... That's my thoughts on Jimmy. And next bit of fight news I thought was interesting was MMA getting potentially legalized in France soon, which is interesting to me because it was I, up until a few years ago, I didn't know it was outlawed. Like I just assumed because there are a lot of famous fighters from France originally or have a French connection with, you know, French Canadian GSP, obviously um, Nordine Taleb, who had an awesome uh, performance last night. He's originally from France, now trains with TriStar in Montreal. Um, Francis Ngannou making waves recently. Um, and he trains out of there, the, the lab or the factory in, in, um, in France. So I just thought, okay, cool. But, um, it's been, it's, it's been illegal. And, and apparently the reason is like, there's a lot of politics that they think judo is really big in france and they don't want it to usurp that and they want you know they, there's all oh, it's it's you know they're going back to the whole human cockfighting thing which is just fucking backwards thinking but okay um but apparently this tweet came out and um, i want to read it real quick it says la legalisation du mma en france c'est précis La ministre de sport déclarée... No, I'm just kidding. I don't fucking speak French. A uh, <laughs> little, little swerve there. It's basically, the translation is the legalization of MMA in France is precise, which is probably a bad translation. Probably means it's coming near. Um, the minister declares that um, she wishes to achieve a French federation MMA as early as September and justify this necessity in terms notably of control of the practices and quality of the frameworks. Which is probably I don't know. Could be just something to like get reelected or whatever. I don't, obviously don't know about French politics, but um, aside from that tweet, it's um, it's good news. You know, it's good news. They could do an event in France. I'll sell that shit out immediately. Engano um, could fucking headline. You know, a lot of the French fire. Tom Duquesnois, the Fireball Kid. He could he could do some great things there, so there's a lot there's a lot of fun stuff that they could do in France, and um, I'm a fan of MMA being global. So anywhere it's not legal, let's get that shit legal. Let's keep talking about it. 
All right, next piece of news is Brock retiring. You know, you can't see me, but I'm doing the air quotes. And then DC, DC versus Stipe 2 announced for um, UFC 241 on August 17th. Now, obviously the air quotes are, are, on, are on retired because, first of all, MMA retirement as is is pretty finicky. Um, guys come out of retirement all the time. They just can't resist that itch. And um, specifically with Brock, first of all, the story came out that, um, and this is somewhat speculation, but it was, I think, by Dave Meltzer, um, who is um, with the Wrestler Observer, but also writes for MMAfighting.com. So he, he's in sort of both worlds. And um, his sources were saying that uh, Brock wanted... With, with the new pay-per-view structure, um, I'll remind you guys that um, with the pay-per-views now being on ESPN+, Plus, they, um, they're they the exclusive home for um, pay-per-views, and the fighters don't get as much um, pay-per-view points. I don't know if they did away with that completely or there's just not as much, uh, but ESPN guarantees them 500,000 buys, something like that. Uh, but the fighters don't really see that. It's all it's all very shady. Um, but I guess with that new structure, Brock wanted more of a guarantee, and they weren't willing to come to the table. So he announced his retirement. Probably just because you have to retire to get out of the Asada pool, otherwise they'll keep showing up. And you have to officially say I'm retired. So I think he just doesn't want him to test anymore, so he can juice and go back to the WWE, which is fine. He can do all the fucking steroids he wants, as far as I'm concerned. But um, I also put the air quotes around retired because he did this last time when he when he um, got busted for steroids after UFC 200. Um, and Mark Hunt suing him is like, yeah, I'm retired. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. Uh, so I don't really buy that. I mean, he may very well be done. He's he's not a young young buck by any means. He's in his 40s, and absolutely, this would have been like a one and done if if he got it done against if they made the deal against DC. But I still I still don't think if 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 they can come to terms, like he, he'll come back tomorrow. Like I I believe that at least for for the time being. So. That said, let's pivot to what this news really means and what the final announcement came, which is DC versus Deep A2. And this was like for like an entire day and a half on MMA Twitter. People were just going nuts over this news about Brock. Like, oh, of course, oh, fuck you. I didn't really care about him anyway or whatever. Um, obviously, there's a percentage of us, myself included, who are just you know sad for DC not getting that payday. Um, and I would have tuned in for the Brock fight. Like, I don't get why he was getting a title shot i mean i get it it's he's a draw and everything but you know from a logistical standpoint i I didn't get it and i didn't need to see that matchup but what it would have been cool to see dc dominate him you know it's like half his size i mean that would have been awesome but that said um everyone was like so divided on this i put up this tweet that was like breaking news dc versus stipe too has the same outcome and people lost their minds on that. Uh, but what I was saying is I really don't see anything different result-wise happening. Now, I do think it's a different fight. I do think Steve is going to be more cautious. Um, he's um, he's not going to be willing to go into the clinch as much, hopefully. Um, but that said, I think we really saw DC's power translate at, at heavyweight. And I think... Um, DC's just so damn good. He's like criminally underrated because of the whole John Jones thing. Um, 
But if he's the second best fighter in the world, I mean, that's that's okay in my book, you know. And and Stipe's damn good too. Don't get me wrong; he's the has the record for the title for title defenses in the heavyweight division for a reason. But I also, you know, not a fan of immediate rematches. I mean, obviously it's not for DC. He took another fight, but but Stipe did not, and it kind of sh- well, I think it will show. Because, I mean, historically, we can point to the immediate rematches that they've done for title fights. Cody TJ, Joanna Rose, uh, Barrow Dillashaw. Like, it doesn't really add up. You know, usually the guy who won the first fight is going to win the second fight. And that's kind of what I see happening. But, I, I like, when the first fight was announced, I predicted it would go the full five rounds, or at least close to that. I really thought... Um, that they would kind of nullify some of the wrestling and there would just be a uh, all-out, not an all-out, but like more of a striking match. And so I kind of thought, you know, it could go either way in that first fight. But seeing how it went and seeing that um, Stipe couldn't really take DC down, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think DC is going to get it done. The, there's nothing that I've seen that makes me think otherwise. For now, you know, I could... I could eat crow like I did this week. Fuck, who knows? But for now, I'm going to pick DC again. Uh, last little, well, a couple things before there's like some quick fight announcements. But the last little bit of tidbit, news tidbit I wanted to talk about was um, Jack Hermanson did this interview with Ariel Hawani. I guess um, someone told Ariel, it turns out to be it was Luke Barnott, um, that um, he has a tattoo on his ass. And Ariel was like, I was told you have a tattoo on your buttocks. <laughs> it's so funny the way Ariel talks about things like that. Um, but it was like Jack Hermanson in that thick Swedish um, accent was like, yes, I have a tattoo on my butt. He says, I heart MMA. <laughs> that just made me laugh so hard. So if you haven't seen that, <laughs> go check out that interview. If nothing else, it's like toward the end of it. Just just skip around until you find that. If if you just want to see that, it was hilarious, dude. And he was talking about how he was gonna get a tattoo, and his friend didn't have the right needle, uh, and it was like he could only do a short one. He was like, oh well, let's do just a. I love. I guess he was gonna get another tattoo entirely. So he was like, oh, let's just do. Uh, I love MMA, but uh, I want uh, somewhere where you can't see it. So put it on my butt. I mean, so weird. So weird. Like, just don't get a tattoo then. If they can't do the one you want, it just be like, ah, next time. We'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine sitting there and being like, yeah, just, just tattoo my ass instead. It's okay. Like, that's hilarious to me. Uh, Like, now I have this morbid curiosity where they're like, he should be fucking posting this on Instagram. Like, come on, dude. Jack Hermanson, you got to get those fans, baby. All right. Two quick fight announcements before we get into these questions. Um, Hanato Moicano versus Korean Zombie for UFC Greenville. Um, now, as a main event, we can all be honest and say it's a little weak. The card is not as deep as, as people hoped. I know Pam on Twitter was, was really vocal about this. I mean, I canceled my trip. They just threw this together. And you know, quite frankly, she's right. Um, but um, main event aside, like if you just take that fight separately, put it on its own, it's a hell of a fight, um, especially like I love, now I love the fact that we're getting five rounds. Um, I hope Korean Zombie redeems himself. He was winning the fight against Yair until that crazy knockout. Um, but Korean Zombie, he, he, 
he'll always fight that way. And I think that could get him into trouble against Hinato Moicano because Hinato's so technical and he likes to brawl, but he's like a technical brawler. And I don't know, he made quick work of Cub recently. So he's just good everywhere. And I think I think he could give the zombies some problems. That said, I really hope that doesn't happen because um, I'm a big fan of Korean zombie. Um, I love his his fighting style. And uh, yeah, that should be a great fight. Great fight. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to... I'm so happy I don't have to make a prediction right now because I don't know. I really don't know. So that, that's the, those are the fights I get excited about when you just don't know. Um, that's why I love MMA because there's tons of fights like that. All right. Um, Angela Hill is jumping in to replace Felice Herrig for her, her fight at, that was a UFC 238 in Chicago. Sucks for Felice because she's a Chicago native, or at least she trains out of there. I think she she sounds like she's from Chicago. She has that Chicago dialect. Um, but um, Angela Hill looked great in her last fight. That was a short notice replacement against um, Jody Escabel. And, um, yeah, I like I like Ange on short notice. Um, I think just, um, you know, different minds. I mean, it takes the pressure off. And Angela had this cool post where she was saying how Felice was like the first fighter she met um, at this at this thing. It was a tryouts for for like XFC or something. Really cool. They were in the house together um, for for Tough. Tough 21, I believe, the season of the Strawweights. Or maybe that was 20. So many fucking seasons of Tough, right? There's like a million. Or really, it's 28. Um, but that's it for uh, current events. Thank you guys for um, submitting these questions that I'm about to get into. Uh, I want to um, do it as a separate segment because there, there's so many of them. So that if you wanted to just go right there, you know, to listen to my answer, you could do that. Um, thanks again. And without further ado, let's get into some questions. All right, Matthew Cecilio at SM but mighty ninety. Um, by the way, he's uh looks like he's an amateur fighter, um, fighting a flyweight uh, out of Tennessee. So shouts to Tennessee. Got a sister that lives in Nashville, so much love for for that um, region of the world. Um, his question is well, more of a statement really. He says, heavyweight. It's definitely Andre Arlovsky. Uh. <laughs> Not really sure what this means. Not really a, a, a full sentence, but I'm assuming he means Walt, Walt Harris called out Andre. Um, it was kind of a gangster call. He was like, "There's a pit bull who needs to get neutered." Uh, I would love to take on Andre Arlovsky. Um, I don't like that fight. I hate because Andre Arlovsky's just been in, been in the game for so long. Um, he sort of had a rebirth with American Top Team, and I think he gets robbed in a lot of decisions. Um, like he, I thought he won against Taito Ivasa. I thought he won his last fight. Um, but it's, so it's just it's just a weird matchup. And Walt can knock him the fuck out. Uh, and I like Andre, um, except for the fact that he supports Trump. It's terrible. Uh, so uh, I thought it was a, ba- a badass call out, but I'm not a fan of that fight in terms of like matchup wise. Um, but if they make it, you know, good for Walt. And, and that's we'll, we'll get into this a little bit in the fight fight. Um, predictions for 237 um the fight game is about the young hungry up-and-comers pushing out the older guys uh the matchmakers do that a lot so 
you got to do what you got to do. If, if it's that's his time, that's his time. You know, sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> Colby Call the Cops Covington at Colby Call the Co. 1 on Twitter said, Do you think Connor will be willing to fight Cowboy? And I want to say yes. I want to say yes. He seemed like he wanted to fight him. Um, I think Ariel had it spot on. I think he, he had Cowboy look great in his, his last performance performance and he was like yeah i'll fight connor and connor tweeted like for a fight like that i'll I'll fight you don let's go let's go but then afterward he was just like oh it's connor's world we all live in it and he was making these posts about like um you know budweiser versus proper whiskey you know i'll bring the budweiser you bring the proper this will be a good old like he was being a little too respectful i think connor like doesn't get out of bed for that kind of stuff and not only that i think the bigger reason was sort of the whole negotiation thing um back to like I was saying about Brock Lesnar with the pay-per-view buys, um, I think um, Connor wants a bigger piece of the pie, and he wants shares and equity and all this, and and that's that's great, good for him. But the UFC is not really going to do that; they're not interested in that. And and with the new structure, they don't really need him. You know, a year or two ago, I would say, yeah, they need Connor, but the way that the new ESPN deal works, they kind of can life can move on without him. And um, Dana White is really like, like if you if you play hardball. He's just like, oh, fuck you, I'm moving on. Like, he doesn't give a fuck. His, his ego is, like, a problem, really, but, you know, gets in the way of a lot of good decisions for the fighters. So I really don't think um, that fight will happen. I hope it does, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't think so. Um, but I think he's, he's willing, but I don't think the UFC will make that fight. And uh, to be honest, Cowboy, he... I mean, Conor is a big fight, and he has earned big fights, like, payday-wise, but... Connor's coming off a loss. Cowboy wants to make a run at the title. You know, they could they could make that fight. It would make sense, but I don't think they will. And then Jim, I'm going to butcher this last name, Asun, A-S-S-O-U-N, maybe Asun. Anyway, his, his uh, handle is Jim underscore A-S-S-O-U-N. Um, he said, will we ever see Habib versus Tony? And God, I hope so. If you listen to this podcast, you know I want that fight um, so badly. Um, they need to make that fight. Um, with someone like Habib, as dominant as he is, you just got to keep lining up contenders, dude. Like, with with any other champion, like, you can make a case, but like, oh, well, this guy doesn't deserve it yet, or he's not ready, or, or I think he'll get steamrolled. But yeah, everyone would get steamrolled by Habib as far as what it's looking like. So who cares? Like, line him up. That's what I'm saying. Like, if anyone can give him problems, I think it's Tony. And we've been promised that fight four times, and each time it's it's fallen through. And I don't care how many times they have to book that. You got to book it. You got to make that fight happen. Um, assuming that Khabib gets past Poirier, which is no easy task. I'm not saying, you know, he will. Poirier has a good chance in that fight. But um, anyway, Tony deserves a title shot, so maybe he should fight Poirier. But um, I hope we see Khabib versus Tony regardless, even if it's not for the belt. And then um, my man Smokey J MMA from all the way in Australia says, "What's next for the Iron Queenster?" Obviously, tough loss for Al. And what I would like to see, I was thinking about this a lot, and I was thinking about this even before I saw your question. I was thinking about how he was supposed to fight Paul Felder at UFC 223. 
And Paul Felder, I mean, it wasn't Al's fault, but, but he really got the short end of the stick in that because he, he lost his fight. He only got barely show money, I think. I don't think he got a chance to, to, to you know, make a – they didn't get his, like, show and win money. I think he just got show money, maybe not even the full of it, um, for not fighting. Um, Khabib um, – Al gets a shot at Khabib, and now he's just – He's a household name, and Paul's sitting there, you know, busting his ass on the on the commentary desk, and he has to go up. After that, he he went up and fought Mike Perry at one seventy and broke his arm. He had a tough row. Then he fights James Vick, dude, and and, and punctures a lung. So they need to give Paul that fight. Um, Paul deserves a step up. He's in the rankings now. Al's coming off a loss, so you could he could, he needs to fight down. I think he should fight Paul Felder. I think that's going to solve a little bit of the logjam, which um, we'll get into a second with another question. And I think that's the fight to make um, for Al. Al versus Paul Felder, um, hell of a fight stylistically, uh, and it just makes sense ranking wise. Um, <laughs> next question is from. Gigzigig18 G-I-G-G-S-Y-G-18 Don't know how you even say that out loud as a, as a try to say it as a name but he said who do you think will be the lightweight champ after the next two lightweight title fights and this is an interesting question because we don't know like we not only do we not know the outcome of of the fight with um, Poirier and Habib, we don't know what fight they're going to book after that. So, since there's really no wrong answer here, I'm just going to go on a limb and say Tony. Fuck it, I'm going to say Habib gets by Poirier. They make the Tony fight. Hopefully, they make a fight for Tony in the interim to, to keep his name relevant, even though he doesn't really need to. In my opinion, I think he deserves the title shot anyway. But um, hopefully, they make that fight, and hopefully, they. Um, Habib beats Poirier and then Tony beats Habib. That's my ideal scenario. Um, the Fight Club at The Fighting Club asks, how do we sort out the logjam at 155? Cerrone, Gaethje, Ferguson, McGregor, Iaquinta, Poirier, Habib, and more. By the end of 2020-2021, who comes out on top? Um, kind of a two-parter, but more so is just saying, you know, how do we line these um, fights up to to straighten out the title picture at 155 and 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 who really comes out on top at the end of everything? Um, I think here's what I would do. All right, this is all just speculation. Now, obviously, we're just we're just having a little fun here. But I think I said before the 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 Allen and Cowboy fight that Gaethje should fight the winner. I said that when he beat Barboza. I said that would be fun. And part of that was because I thought Al was going to win. And I, and I, we were promised that fight, um, Al versus Gaethje a while ago. And I think that that's a great stylistic fight. Um, now Gaethje versus Cowboy is a hell of a fight too, but I also like Gaethje versus Tony and I like Cowboy versus, um, McGregor, Cerrone versus versus Connor. Now you could interchange those. I could easily see Tony versus Connor. Would love to see that fight. We kind of speculated this last week a little bit with the news that Tony changed management, and I think they could be setting up that fight if they can come to terms on the money and Connor's side. But um, whether it's Cowboy Connor and Gaethje Ferguson or 
um, Cowboy Ferguson, Gaethje Connor, Ferguson, Cerrone, fucking, and, and any scenario with those four guys, match them up however you want. I think that would be a fun fight. Um, and uh, we already talked about this earlier. I think I think Iaquinta should fight uh, Paul Felder, and obviously Khabib should fight Poirier. Um, I'm saying obviously just because he's the interim champion, that just needs to make sense. Um, interim belts need to mean something. Not that I'm a big fan of them anyway, but if you're going to have it, at least have it be like a number one contendership to where you got to unify the belts because a unification belt is is good for business. Um, and then as far as the latter part of the question, who do you think comes out on top? Um, I think I'm going to stick with my earlier prediction and just say Tony. Um, but it, but it, you really look at that and you go, it's either Tony or Khabib. Um, it just depends on if Khabib can stay healthy, um, and, and stay out of trouble. If they can you know, line him up with the right matchups, which is really just about keeping Connor out of it. I think Khabib's not really like a troublemaker, but, um, obviously Connor brings out the worst in him and, and that whole, you know, melee was, I mean, Connor started with the trash talk, but let's be honest, Khabib jumped over the fence. And don't give me this Connor through the first, first punch nonsense. That That's ridiculous. Um, he was attacked. Whatever. Um, and I'm not defending Connor. Like I said in earlier episodes, he's turning into a piece of shit lately. So, you know, he can do his own thing or whatever. But um, Khabib or Tony is probably going to come out on top. If, that, if this were a tournament, if we're just throwing these guys like a one-night tournament, I think you got... Um, Khabib and Tony uh, standing at the end of it. If you put them on opposite ends of the bracket, um, I think Khabib and Tony come out on top, and um, and I hope Tony wins. Um, I really think he's got the tools to to give him some problems. Um, which brings me to our next question from Lo Uzi Horizontal at Uzi for Prez U Z I for prez uh said can he kind of replied to the fight club but it's almost like a separate question it says can someone who's pretty decent on the ground keep khabib from taking him down yes or maybe i mean glacian t-bell stopped the takedowns um and i don't think tony has the good enough wrestling to stop the takedowns entirely but i think he could hit the darts from that front headlock position when, when Khabib goes for that single, or he can end up on his back and maybe catch Khabib in a submission. Now, that's probably lower on the list of possibilities. Um, Khabib's got really, really good submission defense, and he doesn't really put him, he doesn't really take risks. He doesn't really put himself out there, but Tony does take risks, and that's kind of why he um, he wins um, a lot of the time. Um, the triangle he locked up against Kevin Lee was was awesome off of his back, and won his black belt from Eddie Bravo. So that that said, another 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 part of that question, like when I see that, when I think about give, giving Khabib problems or stopping the takedowns, I just think of Tony immediately because we haven't seen that fight and we we need to see that fight. But that said, another thing that uh, I've been thinking recently is Gaethje versus Khabib would be an interesting fight, and. And obviously Poirier versus Khabib is a good fight too because that's going to happen. But but just just going off speculation because I'm pretty convinced that fight will happen. We're just talking about other potential matchups in the future. And I think Gaethje made a good point in an interview after his um, win over Barboza. He was like, what's Khabib going to do? Turn into a wrestling match? That's what I did my whole life since I was like five years old. You're not going to um, frustrate me into a wrestling match. And I was like, 
damn, he's kind of right. Like, he was wrestling since he was a kid. He was a collegiate wrestler. He was a Division One All-American, all that stuff. And, um, like, he wrestled against Jordan Burroughs in college, I think. Um, Gaethje has a hell of wrestling credentials. And while he doesn't use it in MMA, he uses it to stop the takedowns. And I think, like he said, he's he's comfortable in that wrestling match environment to where I think he can get off his offense and still stop the takedowns. So that, so that kind of chaos and, and unpredictability, I think, would make a really interesting fight too. So um, if, if, if they match up Gaethje against either Cowboy or Tony or, or Connor... Um, I think that would be an interesting fight. I think, and if they match him up with that, and then he gets past one of those guys, and they um, they put him into a fight with Khabib, I think that would be a really good fight to make, um, Gaethje and Khabib. So, so those are my two, I guess, um, predictions of, or not predictions, but you know, speculation of who could give Khabib problems. But um, Dark Horse in this division that could give him some problems, Gregor Gillespie. Um, but that's just, um, you know, we're talking about fights that could happen right now or within one fight. And Gregor Gillespie has avoided the top 10, like the plague. He's not getting a title shot anytime soon. So, um, that that's it for that. Um, thank you guys so much for these questions. Not only were they good and interesting, we had some stuff to talk about. Um, they were way more than I expected. Um, you guys were fucking awesome and keep those coming. Um, I, I put out the tweet, you know, usually like the day, the morning of when I record or sometimes the day before, but, um, really send them, send them whenever, um, you know, I got, I got the email for that purpose. Um, fighting with myself pod at gmail.com. You can email them anytime, you know, shoot me a DM, whatever, so that I can have the question. It doesn't have to be about MMA. We can talk about whatever the fuck you want. Um, happy to share my platform with anyone who wants to have their voice heard. So, uh, love hearing from you guys on Twitter throughout the week as well. Um, keep that going. And, um, that said, let's get into these five predictions. I'm really excited to talk about UFC 237. All right, all right, all right. UFC 237 taking place at the Junese Arena. Baja de Tijuca, Brazil. Probably pronounced that wrong. Tried to say how I think they do in Portuguese, but probably fucked it up. But whatever. American. Um, opening up the main card, we got Ryan Spann taking on um, Antonio Minotoro Nogueira. I believe this is Lil Nog. Um, really kind of like, I want to say intriguing fight because... Big Nog did, um, I believe he finished Sam Alvey in his last fight. Um, it was always nice when the when the vets get a nice win like that. But past that, he didn't. He hasn't been looking so good. He's getting up there in age. And I said this earlier. The fight game is about the young bucks pushing out the old timers. Um, you know, speaking generally, of course. Uh, so that said, I think Ryan Spann can get it done here. Um, he's young, he's athletic, um, looked good on the Contender Series, looked okay in his UFC debut. I mean, maybe the, um, I'm well aware um, that, um, you know, probably his first time in Brazil, uh, he's fighting there, and that um, that hometown crowd, you know, once you start hearing the Uva Mujer, um, maybe it fucks with him, 
and maybe um, Big Nog or Little Nog can capitalize on that. But uh, I see um, Ryan's Superman span keeping his composure and uh, maybe finishing Little Nog early. Um, or at least winning. I don't. I don't actually necessarily pick the method because there's such craziness that can happen in MMA. Um, you really just kind of want to try and think who could come out on top. Um, sort of assume every fight's going to go to the distance, um, unless you really got like specialists, you know, matching up. But um, these guys are both pretty well-rounded, and I think Ryan Span uh, can get it done here. Next, we got Francisco Trinaldo taking on. Carlos Diego Fajera. Um, he's Carlos Diego Fajera on SureDog, but the UFC website just lists him as Diego Fajera, so I don't know if he drops the name. Brazilians got to figure out their name, man. Like, they think it's cool to, like, use their nickname as their last name and that we won't realize. Like, they apparently can just put whatever they want. Like, when, when Paulo Costa came into the UFC, he was Paula Bojachinha for a while, and everyone was just like, oh, that's his name. And then, like, three or four fights in, he goes, no, I want to change my name. It's Paulo Bojachinha Costa. Nickname is The Eraser. That's what Bojachinha means. And I was like, dude, you paraded that around as your name for the longest time. And and Gleason Tebow, that's not even his real name. And I don't know what his real name is because that, he goes by that name. It's so weird. Um, that said, um, I like Francisco, Francisco Trinaldo here. Um, this is sort of the reverse of the um, young buck pushing out the old timer um, just because I'm picking the, old, the older guy. But I, Francisco Trinaldo hasn't really shown any signs of fading in my opinion. And he's just a vet. He's been around the block um, he really has kind of maintained that number 15 position at lightweight for a long time. He's kind of holding it down at the kind of the gatekeeper in that, in that way, but, um, he's good everywhere. And, uh, Diego Fajeda, um, test positive for banned substances a few years ago, then came back and fought, um, Jared Gordon. Um, I don't know. I just don't like that mindset. And, um, they're both, Brazilian, so the hometown advantage doesn't really come into play here, and I think Francisco gets it done. He's got great kickboxing, great jiu-jitsu, and um, I think he can beat um, Carlos Diego Fajeda. Um, We got another one of these um, old guard versus new guard fights in Thiago Alves versus Loreano Storopoli. Now, I should pick the young guy and Loreano. That said, I think it's a situation where, um, like I said, what could happen with Ryan Span, where the 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 Uva Moher chance really get into his head or or really sort of play into how the fight goes. I think Thiago saw uh, Thiago Alves gets it done. Um, he looked he looked good against Max Griffin, in his last fight. Uh, I think he's still got some some gas in the tank, and. I think he had a weird detour where he tried to be a lightweight for a little bit or maybe just one fight against Jim Miller. He was misweight badly. Um, he's even misweighted 170, which is crazy. Uh, but I think he's he's good at that weight. And um, he also looked really good against Patrick Cote, who's fought as high as like 205 before. Um, so I, I think Thiago Alves uh, is a beast. And um, I hope he gets it done against the um, the newcomer. Now, the next fight is um, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Jose Aldo. And the narrative for a while has been like, Jose Aldo's done. Um, 
or you know he couldn't get it done against Max. I think Max just has his number. I think they could fight ten times, and Max probably wins all ten. Uh, you know, Jose was Max's favorite fighter coming up. He loved his style and the way he fought both times. Like it was both like TKO in the third round, pretty much the same way, and it was crazy. So um, people just thought people just thought you know Jose's done, but I think just Max is just that good. That said. Five round Aldo is a different Aldo than three round Aldo. Um, he prepares differently. He he starts faster, and his back to back wins over um, Jeremy Stevens and Hanato Mokano were sensational. Um, so it sounds like I'm picking Jose, but I'm actually going to pick Alex. I just wanted to put it out there that I'm not saying it's because um, Aldo's done. I just think that pressure, that wrestling that um, Volkanovski brings, and I know um, Jose does really good against wrestlers. Um, he's got like 87% takedown defense, something like that, some really high number. Um, but um, Volkanovski doesn't fucking quit, and he hits hard. Uh, so I, I think he can get it done here. Um, and pretty cool that his um, best friend um, rescheduled their wedding for this fight. I certainly wouldn't do that. I've got a wedding coming up. If one of my friends were like, hey, I got a fight, I'd be like, oh, sorry, you can't make it, dude. <laughs> but, but but that was a cool story that they rescheduled that fight, and I'm glad that they did just because I'm I'm glad we get to see it. And I think I think Volkanovski can get it done. Which brings us to the co-main event of the evening. And I said earlier um, about Brunson maybe fighting the winner of this fight. Um, and what I meant was I'm pretty sure Cannonier is going to win, or at least that's what I'm predicting. Uh, so I really say Brunson versus Cannonier next. Um, I think uh, Cannonier is coming up in the rankings. He's number 10 right now. Brunson was, I think, number 9 before this fight, and Elias um, was ranked below him, so I don't think he'll jump much. So uh, this is going to be a cool a cool fight. Um, Anderson looked good against Izzy. Um, everyone's like, Oh, you beat a 43 year old Anderson or 44 year old Anderson, but he still looked like he still had some, but I think Jared's pressure, um, like the skills he showed against David branch. Um, I really, I really see him. I think he's found a home at middleweight and I think he's putting it all together and he's working on his wrestling more and, um, keeping with his striking so i like jared in this fight i think i think he'll get it done and that's it. I, I think they should make that fight against Derek brunson when he wins now if anderson wins uh don't really want to see that fight again him versus um Derek, because it was kind of a weird fight they gave it to anderson a lot of people thought Derek won but um it wasn't like uh, a stellar performance from either guy now, Anderson ate about 15 uppercuts in a row at one point, and I was so surprised he didn't go down. Uh, so if that happens, maybe he can win against Jared. Certainly got the hometown advantage. I mean, if it doesn't, doesn't um, if Jared doesn't finish him, uh, it's very possible that um, Anderson takes a decision based on that, um, you know, Brazilian judging. Fuck, I almost want to change my pick. No, I'm I'm sticking with Jared. I'm sticking with my first instinct. <laughs> um, at least in talking about it, I realized how wrong I could be, but I hope I'm not. Um, I hope my instinct gets gets the better of me. I hope my instincts are right and that Jared can take it. And last but not least, my girl Rose. 
Now, this is pretty funny. The UFC website made a ridiculous error, and they've got Jessica Andrade ranked number one, which is probably not a mistake because um, the champion doesn't get a ranked third like above number one. So the number one is really the number one contender. But they've got Rose at number 14, dude. That's a fucking misprint if I ever saw one. She's the champ. She couldn't be further from 14. Uh <laughs> Just ridiculous. But um, that said, I think the I think we're going to hear Anne still. I think the champ keeps her belt. Um, I know um, Andrade is a powerhouse. Um, she looked frightening against Karolina Kovalkiewicz and Karolina beat Rose, but MMA math doesn't always add up. So um, I was thinking about this, and here's why I'm picking Rose. First of all, always going to pick Rose, so doesn't matter. But uh, I was thinking about Jessica's fight with Joanna. And how, like, just, and I'm not saying just because Rose beat Joanna, but I'm saying, I'm saying she can really take that game plan. Because in the second fight with Joanna, Rose beat her in the striking, which what kind of surprised a lot of people. And, and she actually got a takedown at the, at the end of the fight. So I really think she can watch that fight and, and use those same tools. And, um, the way Joanna was just dancing around Jessica and just peppering her with strikes, it was really like a, uh, one of her best performances actually as a champion. And I think Rose can can mimic that as well. Um, Rose has got great striking. Um, she doesn't really have knockout power, though she put Joanna down cold. Um, but um, besides that, she doesn't have many knockouts, and Jessica does. Uh, but I think Rose will take it. And God, God bless her if, if Jessica does get it done. I mean, I'll be sad as fuck, but um, I really think Rose can take this. So just to recap, I've got Ryan Spann beating Lil Nog, Francisco Trinaldo beating Diego Fajeda, Thiago Alves beating Loriano Storopoli, um, Alexander Volkanovsky beating Jose Aldo, Jared Kennanier beating Anderson Silva, and Rose beating Andraj. Those are my picks. At least I'm putting it out there. Um, thanks so much for supporting the podcast and, and sharing it online, everybody. It means the world to me. Um, keep doing that. Keep sending me questions at FWM underscore pod, or you can email me, fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. would love to get some video questions. That would be cool. And um, stay well, everybody. Until then, I'm fucking out.